It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Jay here from Stratford Paddock. This is the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ronaldo Brown. How are we feeling? You all right? Dude, absolutely amazing, mate. Yeah, absolutely what, amazing. after what happened last night. Basking, basking in the glory of yeah. a 9-0 win. It's your first 9-0 win, isn't it, as a United fan? No, I weren't born when the other one happened, so he definitely born, is my I was first there. Sold out the youth for today, yeah? That's no How excuse. You, you should have been there. What? <laughs> I, was, I was 15. Now I feel oh. old. Anyway. But he's going to be older than that. Sorry, mate. Right. Let's move on. <laughs> um, also joining us, a special guest, James Cooper from Sky Sports. James, thanks for coming on the channel again. Yeah, no problem. And I, I should have been there for the, the 9-0 against Ipswich because Ipswich are my team. Uh, and I turned it down because I had something else to do. And, and gladly... Um, but but last last night was almost perfection. But I wanted them to get ten. You know, I spoke to Simon Peach at halftime. He's a Southampton fan. I said, please, please, by all means, take our record. But they didn't quite do that. <laughs> yeah, you time, even though everyone was helping them to try and get towards that ten, which would have been, as I say, perfection for me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I almost forgot. Yeah, it's just your team. Um, just talking about um, last night's result and and. It sort of comes off the back of a couple of performances that have been, you know, the Sheffield United game and the Arsenal game. Not, not exactly, you know, vintage United performances. A little bit, sort of, uh, underwhelming, shall we say? What do you make of the, the title talk and the, the atmosphere around the club? Do you think there is sort of uh, people buying into the idea that this is a real title challenge, or do you think it's still too soon to say that? Yeah, I think it's difficult. I think I think it's kind of bonus territory. But I think you know, I think Rio Ferdinand came up with the right phrase. I think the reality check was those two games against Arsenal and against Sheffield United. I think the Arsenal game, um, I watched 70 minutes and I went to go and get pizza from a collection and the guy I collected it from was, was surprised that I wasn't watching the game. And I said, well, I could have been watching the game for the next two or three hours. No one was going to score there. It was going to be nil-nil all the way. So, you know, I was quite happy getting my pizza rather than watching that for another 20 minutes. And, you know, the Sheffield United game, I thought Sheffield United were excellent. I thought they stuck to their plan and I thought the problem there was that <clears throat> United didn't. But I think the, the key problem with all that whole week was, I think, you know, beating Liverpool. It was almost everybody's cup final. It was almost, yeah, we, we, we've won the Premier League because we've beaten Liverpool. And I think that kind of seeped into the minds of the players. I don't think it ever seeped into the mind of someone like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or his coaching staff. But that's the only reason I can get my head around those performances against Sheffield United and against Arsenal. I think they kind of thought we've arrived before we haven't. And, I, and I've always said, look, 
I think next season is the season. I think after another transfer window, bearing in mind the circumstances might be very difficult next summer, get two or three players in, change it around a little bit, add some quality. And, and I think you might see, you know, a, a team capable of challenging. But, you know, right now, they're, they're still a little bit brittle. I know last night was fantastic, but the fates conspired to allow Manchester United to score nine goals. They were, they were going to beat Southampton, whatever, I think, last night. But, you know, they did get a few helpers there, you know. And, I, you know, they'll, they'll put in a challenge this season, but I think there are better teams or certainly a better team, probably a better team in Manchester, I'm afraid. That sort of leads me on to my, my next question. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that the better team in Manchester, obviously talking about City and Liverpool have, have sort of bounced back from their little uh, patchy form, should we say. Do you think we're looking at those two occupying the, the top two positions come, come May? I, I'd like to see progress and I'd like to see United try and get that second spot. You know, obviously, clearly, I'd love to see Manchester United win a title and uh, and show everybody that they're the best club in the land in what's been a strange season. I, I don't see that happening. I'd love to see them finish second. But I think, you know, the Liverpool game was a big step forward. And I think Oli kind of explained it really, really well afterwards by saying it was the first time while that United did what he wanted them to do as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United, playing the system he wanted, playing the personnel he wanted, rather than kind of making amends for the opposition and trying to come up with a solution to the threats that they posed. It was kind of, right, we are United, we're on home soil, you know, we're going to go and do this. And, and, and I think that is the big, big advantage here and the big step forward. And I think, you know, if United can go on a run, then great. But I just see City just know what they're doing. And, you know, it goes back to all those kind of years ago when Manchester United knew what they were doing when it came to a title race. Not enough of the players right now do, uh, but it doesn't mean that they won't win silverware. You know, an FA Cup might happen. I think a Europa League could very well happen. They'll certainly get, I think, to the latter stages of that competition. So I, I don't think it's going to be a bleak season. I, I just don't see a title because I just think uh, City have got... I mean, Oli used the phrase mojo. Well, I think City have got their mojo. I think Pep has, and I think... They look hungry. They they look really well sorted out. And having spoken to kind of Sean Dyche yesterday, I think he's worried that they're going to stamp all over Burnley tonight. Yeah, fair enough. Realistic, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> if anything, I hope you end up being wrong. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah, I agree. But um, the January transfer window was just finished and United didn't make any signings and it was fairly quiet, as many would have probably expected. Do you think this means that United will end up splashing the cash in any way in the summer? I think it's really difficult to, to kind of predict. And I, I don't want to kind of put dampness on some of the enthusiasm that other people have for kind of transfers. And I know United fans would like to see a strengthening. I think there are positions that need to be strengthened. I think Cavani coming in probably lessens perhaps the need for a down-the-line sort of number nine. I think they can get away with Cavani probably playing another season if they can talk him into another deal. And I think that will probably happen. I think, you know, the Pogba situation, which I'm sure we'll talk about, is an interesting one. That that would unlock resources potentially to bring players in. Uh, but I think what they do need, and, and you'll know this, you probably spend hours talking about it, you know, amongst yourselves as much as online. They need a centre-back and I think they probably need the competition at right-back as well, albeit, you know, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is playing well. But I think we've seen the benefit of someone like Tellez uh, for Luke Shaw. It was worth spending 13, 14 million pounds on Alex Tellers to get the best fullback in the country in Luke Shaw. You know, that was a, a good bit of business. I think that's the strength thing they'll need to do. But the problem is, you know, it's coming up to a year almost of Manchester United at Old Trafford being empty. You know, we know that there were warning signs last summer and saying, look, we can't spend the sort of money we're going to spend because of, of, of the problems with COVID. And I, and I can't see that situation having got any better, especially bearing in mind Manchester United aren't playing Champions League football and not getting the money 
from playing Champions League football. So I think it's going to be a really interesting market. And I think you saw that, you know, maybe as a kind of warning in this January, a lot of loans, a lot of movement like that, but no big transfers. And I, and I think unless you've got kind of a Roman Abramovich and somebody who's got tons of cash and is, is, is willing to spend it, I, I think people are going to be kind of prudent and careful. You, yeah, you just mentioned that you would like to see probably someone to back up Aaron Bissakra, at least push him a little bit in the same way that Tellers has managed to push Shaw's form on. Is there any right-backs in the market that you could see United possibly going for? I, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I think there's, there's a list, but I think the list is, you know, kind of dominated probably by names outside of the Premier League. I mean, I think, you know, there's no doubting that they've had a look at Kieran Trippier and, and it might be that he fits the bill, but I can't see someone like Kieran Trippier coming in perhaps and being understudy to Aaron Wan-Bissaka, bearing in mind his own pedigree kind of internationally. That might change if Wan-Bissaka goes to the European Championships as the number one right back for, for England, I guess. But that's the kind of pedigree that, that Manchester United are looking at. And I think it's interesting, you know, at this time last year, we would have said perhaps Brandon Williams could fulfil that role. And, and I think that's been a problem this season, the kind of second sin, season syndrome and, and his development. And I think that's the one reason why Brandon Williams didn't go out on loan uh, this year. I think Manchester United decided rather than have him wherever they wanted him to go, they were best keeping him in uh, at Carrington and, and just trying to unlock things a little bit and get him to kind of bounce on from, from last season. But I think that is a, a space that needs filling. Um, and, and, you know, they've got tons of midfielders. And, and I think, you know, in terms of January, and I said it the other night, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be really pleased that he's kind of trimmed his squad in the way that he wanted to, you know, goes and gives Jesse some football at West Ham. That's a win-win. Uh, well, it's a win-win for David Moyes, but it's also a win-win for Jesse. And I think also for Manchester United, I, if he comes back, he comes back perhaps into the squad a better player. If not, then his transfer value with a year left on his contract is enhanced as well. So that that sees a, a progression. They've got Rojo off the books. They might get Romero off the books. You know, so I think in terms of that and getting football for some of the younger players, I think it was exactly what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer kind of pinpointed January as being. And I think, it, you know, it was a quiet window. It was a fairly boring window and a long and grey and cold and rainy window. But I think in many ways it kind of suited Manchester United. Um, you mentioned Paul Pogba earlier. You know, whenever we sit down, we end up talking about Paul Pogba. I mean, it, you know, from what we've seen from his agent and from other conversations, it looks like he's going to go in the summer. Do you think there's going to be any change there? Can you see any situation where he doesn't leave in the summer? Well, I hope he doesn't. I think you, you probably honestly know that I'm going to say that because I, I think there's a great player in there and I think we've seen kind of glimpses, more glimpses and, and more reassuring glimpses of a Paul Pogba. I think he looks happy playing for Manchester United, bearing in mind it's a Manchester United on the front foot. I understand what you're saying and I think, you know, the, the agent has said stuff. Mino isn't shy and kind of representing his players. I think if, if any of the three of us were a, were a player, you'd want Mino Raiola in your corner because he certainly fights for you and gets the best deal and does it in a fairly uncompromising fashion. It'll be just really interesting. I think it does come down to economics as things inevitably do with Paul Pogba. I don't see another club paying him what Manchester United are paying him right now. I don't see a £100 million transfer uh, from another club to Manchester United for Paul Pogba, even with you know a year left on his salary. Um, it, it, it'll just be interesting. I, I'd dearly love him to stay because I think it's still a position where Manchester United play better when he plays better. And what we have seen, uh, perhaps in this calendar year, in terms of 2021, is that Bruno's played an awful lot of football. 
you know, he says he's not tired. He says he'll play every game, but we're not seeing the kind of performances, the kind of running that we have seen, albeit I thought he was better last night. But what we have seen is a team less reliant on him doing that, which I think is great because you can't expect him to be nine out of 10 for um, 60, 70 games in, in a calendar year. And I think Paul Pogba has stepped into the breach. So I'd ideally like to see Paul Pogba because I, I find it compelling. I think he's a fun person. I don't think he's a bad person at all. And I think we are seeing him do things that, you know, people disagree with me on this, but a couple of the goals he scored, he made look so easy. And that's not an easy thing to do. There aren't many players in world football who can score those sort of goals. And I think, you know, losing that, I, I know it loses the kind of all the chatter. It loses a lot of the chaos and the rumblings. Um, but it also loses one of the greatest players, I think, potentially in the world. No, completely agree. And I'd love, I'd personally, and I think a lot of United fans are the same, would love it if uh, if Paul Pogba did stay past the summer. Oh, I mean, you're seeing, you, you, you'll know it, Jay. You're seeing him run back and do things that you never did, track oh. back on players. Albeit he's not tracking back with the same sort of intensity as someone like Bruno, but he's doing those things. He seems to have a responsibility towards the, the team, not just thinking, how can I look good or what can I do? I think there is a team spirit here and I think he's seeing that. So that's why I'd like him to stay at Manchester United and I'd like him to prove people wrong. And I think going would prove an awful lot of people right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned team spirit and I know you've been covering United since the, the Fergie days and you've seen different moods, different managers, of course, philosophies, um, you know, different press conferences. I think me and you at the press conference where we've gone out, walked out early doors and you can always pick up whether things are it's a happy camp, if you will. What's it like at the minute when you're at the press conference? Or I know a lot of it's via Zoom or when you've sat down with all the Gunnar Solskjaer players. Do you feel there is a sort of a good team spirit and a, a sort of a positive vibe, if you will, at Manchester United at the minute? Yeah, I think it's an awful lot better. And there was one moment that really encouraged me last night. And it wasn't any of the goals. It, it was towards the end of the game when Dan James came down the left, put a cross in and didn't quite scoop it out in a way that it got to Anthony Martial. And the camera homed in on Martial. And I thought it would just be the normal shrug or the hands on his hips or, or whatever. And he actually looked at Dan James and gave him a clap of encouragement. And for me, I'm not Martial's biggest fan. Uh, I don't, you know, you don't have to encourage me very much to have a go about Anthony Martial. I think there is a good player locked in there somewhere, but I don't think we've seen enough of it. And I think he's done very well out of Manchester United. I've got to say, he took his goals last night fantastically. I was surprised he put those away. But that, that moment, I think, told me an awful lot about the team spirit there. Because I think this time last year... He's not even looking at Dan James. He's just walking back and not looking as though he's happy with the world at all. And I think that was really, really encouraging. And I think certainly, you know, the vibe I'm getting from United is this is a more together bunch. I think they're learning together. I think last night I, I spoke to um, Ollie about them being ruthless because I think he said the other day that they're a little bit too nice. I think there is that a little bit. Um, but he said they drove themselves on last night against Southampton. They didn't want to stop at four or five. They wanted to try and get into double figures if possible. And I think that shows a lot about their will. I think there's still a, a little bit of fragility there as well. You know, and that's borne out by those performances against Sheffield United and Arsenal where, you know, I think they could equally be playing those games now and they wouldn't find a way out of that. And that's a little bit concerning, but I think they are learning they are mo making progress. And I think, you know, little steps, like I said, the Liverpool game, I don't think it was as big a step as it was in perhaps their minds, but I think it is coming together. And you talk about that whole kind of Zoom culture and talking with Ollie. It's not easy for him. It's certainly not easy for us. And, and I, you know, for the guys in the stadium uh, sitting there on their laptops when the guys in the mowers come out, simply hearing uh, Ollie at the end of the game isn't easy. But I mean, just before Christmas, just before this latest lockdown, I got into Carrington to have a word with him. And just the difference of sitting opposite someone, you know, human being to human being rather than computer screen to computer screen. I think it was a really lovely interview because I think he was just delighted to see another human being. I don't think it was my skill at all. 
I think my mum could have probably got a nice interview out of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer simply because he was delighted to see another human being in the room. Ronaldo, as you well know, it's Valentine's Day is upon us. Um, and what What's that? Valentine's Day. Don't Nothing get that. What's to do with that? Me. We know you're an old romantic at heart. And what better way to sort of celebrate Valentine's Day and to give your better half uh, something to be happy about <laughs> than using Manscaped, doing a bit of grooming down below the waist. Yes. Round your... Uh, Keep you it know. sheen, keep it clean, yeah, keep it you, shaving. Yeah, keep it clean, keep it sheen, keep it shaving. Manscaped have got an offer on as well. They've got the 3.0 technology. And listen, we want to keep it trim. We want to keep it sort of like you say, keep it clean and keep it sheen for you know a Valentine's Day treat. Not just for your, your partner, but for you as well, man. It's good to keep it all trimmed. Down, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, do you know what yeah, I mean? Me and you talk about this the other day and it's like, I'm fairly new to all this, but it's like, you know what? It's, it's the way forward. Got to move with the times. I think... Do you know what? There's another, There's many benefits. It's yeah. hygienic, it's clean, and it can also make it look deceptive. <laughs> so, <laughs> say, there's say many no. benefits. <laughs> should've, I should have used it years ago then, do you know could, what I mean? Like, I mean could uh, work out for uh, you. Could have done with that. Uh, <laughs> could be speaking from experience, who knows. But Manscaped <laughs> makes that experience much, much easier, trust me. It does. Um, oh, also, it's, it's like you say, yeah. with the technology, the three-point technology, less chance of accidents as well because, you know, you don't, you talk about yeah. you don't get the scissors out there. Yeah, some people get the scissors you, you out. You know, getting the scissors out there. Don't show out that thing, that's very risky. In a rush. Razors, cold. Mm. Bit, you know what, taking a little bit too much off there and before you know it, your eyes are watering and you, you're staying in. <laughs> Um, so yeah we've got an offer on um, we've got a special offer check out the link in the description Manscaped it's the best way to look after your balls um, they've got the technology they've got like little packages as well it comes in all very nice and nice, Valentine's absolutely Day amazing the perfect, set. It's the, it it's an amazing set yeah. it's the perfect way to sort of give yourself and your half a little bit of a treat for Valentine's Day so you get 20% off and free shipping when you check out the link in the description, exclusive offer we've got for you. So check it out. Me and him will be. We're moving with the times. Look after your balls. In terms of signings, what have you made of the Edison Cavani signing? And now do you expect him to be a man to start most games before the end of the season? Yeah, I think so. I, I think a lot of people commonly believe that he's probably Manchester United's best number nine. I, I, you know, the difficult thing is you, you're in a situation where if you are going to progress, you don't want to give people chances and say, look, play yourself in as number nine. I, I think Marcus Rashford would dearly like to be Manchester United's number nine, but I can't see anyone persisting long enough to make that happen. And, and as an argument to say that he's been given those chances and perhaps not taken them. Equally, you know, I don't think Anthony Martial gives you the same kind of presence at number nine. Again, I think he'd like to be it. It, it might be further down the line that, you know, Mason Greenwood becomes Manchester United's number nine. I, I think that's perhaps more likely than even the other two. And I think he will benefit enormously from... Edison Cavani, it's, it's a little bit cliche, this whole thing about big players mentoring little players or younger players being mentored by older players. But there is still a lot of truth in it once you kind of make him understand how English works. I think that's one of the problems initially with Edison Cavani being this kind of mentor within the camp at Manchester United. His uh, grasp of English at the moment isn't great. We've got them translating. I think Paul Pogba does a bit of translation. Matter and Matic all do translation work to help him. But I think just the habits... And I said to Ollie the other day, and it was a Zoom interview rather than being in the flesh, you know, when you're at school and, and a teacher tells you to do something, you think, right, well, that's the teacher telling me to do so, something. And you might go one of two ways. You might do it or you might not do it. Generally, in my life, if, if then my classmate or something was then saying, well, hang on, the teacher's got a point. You want to be doing that. 
you'd probably listen to your peers more than you would even your teacher. And I think that's the situation that perhaps Ollie finds himself. I think he's been drumming and drumming and drumming and saying, look, I want you to be predators in six-yard box. I want you taking and creating more chances. And I, and I said to him, I think it helps his message that he's suddenly got a number nine in Edison Cavani who's doing all the things naturally that Ollie's asking the other strikers from and, and, and showing them how to go it. So his importance is massive. And, and I said it all before, I, I, I see him being... Manchester United's number nine next season because, you know, yeah, he's got a lot of miles on the clocks. Yes, he's scored an awful lot of goals, but he looks hungry. He looks lean. His habits are all good. Uh, and, and I think he wants to be a real success for Manchester United. And I think, you know, someone made the point last night on the games, you know, imagine Old Trafford being full. Old Trafford would worship Edison Cavani. And I think you'd see even more from him from that. So, I, you know, I think it takes the pressure off a window where COVID might dictate that they can't go in for a proper number nine. They can't go in and spend big bucks. I don't think they need to. I think Cavani is that. And I think you've then got resources around it. And someone in Mason Greenwood who perhaps can really learn from somebody like Edison Cavani. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. That's the sort of... The shaming is that as fans, we're not able to get there and show him our appreciation. Imagine that. You know, you know, it's like a Zlatan thing. You know how much he loves Zlatan. Well, it's similar. I mean, you know, and in the same sort of stature, but different sort of players. And, and I think, you know, perhaps even more of a Manchester United player in the fact that, you know, perhaps he is, albeit he's from a different part of the world. He's like an old English centre forward who'll put himself there. And I think, you know, I, I still think watching the games, he's trying to get to grips with the movement of Manchester United and working out where he needs to be. And, and, and I think the English thing perhaps lets him down in terms of communicating that. But I think once they do get on that same kind of, kind of groove with the balls coming in from left and right, I think you'll score, see him score a lot of goals. And uh, I, I, I think it's been a real success story. And I think the one thing I would say is that I felt a bit sorry for Odion Agala not going because I think he fulfilled his brief, but I don't think he got a good enough uh, farewell. And again, that would have happened uh, if fans had been at Old Trafford because I think he, he fulfilled a need when Manchester United needed someone, you know, just to score a couple of goals at an important time to keep everything steady. And I think, you know, people look back on that and think, yeah, it wasn't a Henrik Larsson and it wasn't an Edison Cavani or even a Zlatan, but I think he deserved more of a good buy and a thank you than perhaps he's been given. 100%, yeah. We all love Odie and Agallo and it would have been nice to say... Uncle Agalo. Yeah, Uncle Agalo to say to our proper. Yeah, I mean, a guy on social media, my boys love him wearing his suits and stuff like that. I mean, this is someone who <laughs> takes themselves really, really, you know, seriously and also took the privilege of playing for Manchester United very seriously and I think didn't put a foot wrong. And I think, as I say, I'd like to see a little bit more Republic, thank you, but we won't get that now. And it's a shame that that game against Southampton wasn't a week earlier because I think, you know, you've seen a situation where at nine goals up, they might have put someone like Odie and Agalo on, just to say thanks ever so much. That would have been the icing on the cake if he'd have come on. Made it 10. You'd have been happy, James. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know how much I'd have <laughs> No, he's going to be missed, but I'm going to move on to a player that's getting a lot of United fans excited, and that's the youngster, Ahmad Diallo, especially after his performance against Liverpool's under-23s. Even, even some... though the other bloke scored four goals, who cares? Yeah, he was <laughs> Paul Hugel, eh? Get... No, he got four goals. <laughs> he scored four goals and everyone's you know, talking about Diallo. Didn't, doesn't quite Absolutely. have the same expectation. But do you expect Oli to use Ahmad Diallo much before the season closes? Yeah, I, I think he will. I, I think he's being rather coy about it. I, I think that Liverpool game was an important game. I said to him, look, you know, the fact you're putting him in, in the under-23s when I spoke to him last week, does that mean that we're going to have to wait even longer? And he said, no, I, I don't want him kind of sitting on a bench. I want him learning about Manchester United and I want him learning about a game like Liverpool. You know how much Oli likes beating Liverpool. And I think that was part of it, ingraining 
that on him. And, and I watch the, the kind of highlights of it, and I, I like the way he moves. I, I like his he's predominantly a left-footed player coming on the right. Um, but some of his movement, some of his body movement, um, his balance, his looks excellent. I know they're a little bit worried about kind of the rough and tumble of the Premier League and, and bigger players intimidating him. But I think, you know, he'll have protection on the pitch. He'll have people looking out for him. And I think, you know, he, he could be really, really special. I, I think it's important not to kind of heap too much pressure on him. But I, from what I can see in the way he goes about things, and when you think the, the penalty was a Penenka, you know, bearing in mind he's a teenager, he's playing for Manchester United for the first time, albeit the, the under-23s, he decides to slot one down the middle to make it six against Liverpool. I, I don't think he suffers from any confidence problems, which is exactly what Manchester United fans want to see. And it's exactly what is demanded, perhaps, of a player that, that plays wide for Manchester United. You've seen it, you know, some of the most arrogant uh, wingers full of self-belief. You look at you know, the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, you look at uh, Kanchelskis or, or Giggs. You know, these guys didn't suffer any kind of belief. They weren't the biggest people in the world, although Cristiano ballooned to become, you know, Mr. Sixpack, you know, straight out of the blocks, much like um, Diallo. I don't think they're suffering from belief. So I, I think we'll, we'll see him over the coming weeks. And, and you know, I, I kind of got the suggestion uh, the other week that mid-February to perhaps late February, you know, you'll see him in the squad and, and, and you know, that they're going to work out when they want to plunge him in. And, and, and I think it's really exciting because, you know, the way I see it, if Diallo's a success, then, you know, Oli mentioned it last night, you know, that right wing berth is still a little bit of a problem. Mason isn't a right winger. I, I've got him down as a centre forward, but he can play there. And he can play on the left and he can play number 10. But, you know, an out-and-out winger and someone who can create like this, I think is really important. It it'd probably mean that they wouldn't be held to ransom so much on someone like Jaden Sancho. And I think that that boat might have sailed if Diallo's a success. Hopefully, yeah. Certainly getting everyone excited. And what better way to do it than to help beat the scouters? <laughs> it's not a bad first thing to do, is it, really? No, no, at any level. <laughs> no, he looks good. You know, I, you know, he's one of those players who you look at the highlights tape and think, wow, he's not played very much. He looks very good. And then you see him play, you know, and see the highlights from, from the weekend. And you think, yeah, he has got something. And he certainly isn't, you know, slowing coming forward. And he wants to try things. And I think that that's exciting because I think, you know, Manchester United, part of their DNA, and I know that's a kind of Ollie Manchester United era cliche, the DNA is wide players who, who, who want to make a mockery of, of the fullback, and I don't think we've had enough of those just in recent years. 100%. You keep mentioning about the fans and, you know, the fans would have liked to say goodbye to Odeon or to have been there. When do you think we can expect to see fans back inside Old Trafford? Are we looking, do you think perhaps next season might be the first time? I know, I'm not... You know, I expect you to have all the answers, but just from your point of view, where, where do you think that may be? It's hard because I think it's a head and heart thing. I think the heart would say, look, you know, we'd love to see them as soon as possible. I think, I don't know is, 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 is the honest answer. You know, an informed guess if things go the right way, uh, and none of us are experts on this, not even the government looks at things, but I won't get into politics, um, is I think, you know, we, we will hopefully, with, with a fair wind, see, I think, some fans at the start of next season. But I, I would... I was chatting to somebody at Old Trafford the other day and saying, you know, it's going to be, isn't it, 20 or 30,000 perhaps at Old Trafford at, at the most initially uh, and then see how that works and, and then go from there. And, and, and I think the difficult thing here is, as you know, you know, so many Manchester United fans will be desperate to get inside that stadium. Being the 30,000 or 20,000 that are lucky to get in is one thing. Being the perhaps 46,000 or 56,000 that, that can't get in is going to be a real difficult problem to manage. And I think although they have got plans, now, that's going to be the story of the next kind of era of, of football with fans coming back. Not so much the fans that get the tickets as the ones that will miss out, because they will. 
I, I don't see a situation whereby next season starts and suddenly we've got 76,000 inside Old Trafford. It just won't happen. No, I agree. I think there's going to be some fireworks in more ways than one when, when they have to make that decision in the ballot. Well, it's not easy, it? is it? I mean, everyone's got an argument. You know, you know, and I know um, the number of people who say to them, oh, I'm the biggest Manchester United fan in the world. You know, if that was true, you wouldn't be able to move for people at Old Trafford. You know, there'd be sort of 70 million rather than 76,000. But it's going to be a problem. Politically, it's going to be difficult to, to kind of say, you know, why you deserve to be in and why you don't. And you know the, you know, the number of people who say, I've been there for... 60, 70 years and never missed a game. Well, some of those people are going to be disappointed. That's the brutality of this situation. It's going to have to be like X Factor. No. You make, you make a little video or you put an audition. Audition. Session. It's yeah. definitely going to be controversial. You know I mean? Make your case. But wouldn't that just be great, though? Wouldn't that be brilliant that people actually have to sing almost their supper? That'd be fantastic. Or do whatever they do, keepy uppies or something like that, or set them some sort of trial or, a, or maybe even a, a, some sort of Manchester United trivia test, you know, like sort of uh, trying to get into the UK and getting sort of citizenship. Well, maybe you do that with 50 questions about Manchester United, but without Googling, and, and then mark people on that. I, that. That would be good, wouldn't it? That'd be, I'd prefer the quiz rather than the keepy-uppies. You, you want to see me playing football. I have no chance. You'll be all right, Ronaldo. Ronaldo will be OK. He'll be straight in there if it's football. What's, what, what, what's the singing voices like? Could you do the singing thing or not? <laughs> um, yeah, oh, yeah, I've got a decent falsetto. <laughs> no, it's OK. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for off camera, James. No one wants to hear any of us singing. No, that's true. That's true. But but yeah, I, I mean, in, in all seriousness, I, I think that they're trying to work out how it's going to be. But you know, there are going to be people disappointed, and there are going to be people with literally golden tickets. Yeah, I think there's already discussions amongst certain fan groups and fans about how we, you know, if there's a process that fans can get involved in, um, and hopefully we can keep we'll keep people updated on that. If you hear any more about that, I've had sort of a few chats with people about it, so we'll see what happens with that one. Yep. But moving on to basically, could you call him man at the moment? He kind, he kind of, he kind of is. Yeah, I think you but, could. Um, I think you could go there. And that's a man that's been in great form. That's been Luke Shaw. Do you think at the moment he's possibly with the form that he's in, staking a claim as one of the best left backs in the Premier League? Yeah, I, th- I think he is the best left back in the Premier League, and I think he's possibly you know the, the best England left back going into the European Championship. Now, I'm really, really pleased for him. I, 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 on the same day I saw Ollie just before Christmas, I saw Luke as well and kind of joked with him that usually he gets pulled out when things are going wrong. You know, he's the guy that his head is on the block talking about either Mourinho not liking him or, or Louis is not going well. You know, you're down through the years and there's Luke Shaw trying to put a brave face on a Manchester United performance when he's had managers who've made life more than difficult for him. And I said, look, you know, this is wonderful. Things are going well. And they're letting you talk. And even he could see the irony in it. And, and I'm delighted. I think, you know, I'm going to sound as though I'm patronising here, but I think he's kind of grown up an awful lot. I think he is somebody who kind of needs the support of his teammates as well. And I think that, again, reflects perhaps more the togetherness at Manchester United. But more than that, you know, um, you look at the shape of him. You look at the fact that he's, you know, shed a lot of pounds. Um, he's moving really quickly. He wants to play every game. Uh, and not only that, you know, you can move really quickly and you can play every game. But then the quality of what you're doing is under sharp focus as well. And the quality coming in is fantastic. He's delighted to be taking set pieces, taking corners and, and being in the shake-up for, for free kicks as well. So, you know, I, I think we're finally seeing the player that everyone thought would, would come to Manchester United when he first signed. And, and I'm delighted for him because I think he's a, he's a really, really good guy, a really honest guy. And, and I think, as I say, if you look down the years at all the difficult questions he's had uh, from people like me, you know, I think we're, we're really, really pleased that, that it's, it's good because I can remember being in the States, for example, and him uh, on a pre-season tour. I think it was under Louis 
being made to train in front of us alone because he wasn't the right shape. And, you know, that was embarrassing for him and it was embarrassing for us. And it was a manager making a point out of a player. Uh, and perhaps it, it was the right thing to do at the time. I, I don't know. But it was certainly not very nice to see and not very nice for him to endure. So I think he's earned it through all this hard work. And I'm, I, yeah, I'm delighted for Luke Shaw. And I think hopefully Manchester United fans are too. No, definitely. I think you have to admire his resolve and, you know, you, you reminded me of some of the things that have been said about him by managers, Jose, with, uh, you know, I had to do his thinking for him, Louis Van Al making him obviously train alone or whatever, you know, he has been through a lot and he's, he's showing the sort of form that we all want to see and know he's got in him as well recently, which is... Yeah, and I think it's more than that. I, I quite like the kind of new uh, Luke Shaw 2.0, call it you like, kind of narky side to him. No, he's not afraid to put a little challenge in an elbow or a knee there and, and just say to the guy that's coming towards him, look, I'm Luke Shaw and you've got to deal with me rather than thinking um, uh, I'm going to let him get on and, and do what he needs to do. And I, I really like that. And I think, you know, that's what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants. You remember Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a player. You know, he, he was a spiky, horrible uh, pain in the neck a lot of the time and great, scored some great goals for Manchester United. But there's plenty of defenders will tell you that he wasn't afraid of an elbow or a knee and, and doing the things that kind of strikers need to do to maybe get an advantage to their players. And I think that's what he's saying he wants more from from Manchester United. And I thought what was really interesting just before Christmas is when they played Everton in the um, Carabao Cup, there was no VAR on that game for some reason. I think it was that VAR comes in at the semi-final stage of uh, the Carabao Cup. And if you go back and look at that performance, Manchester United are knocking at it. You know, they are doing the elbows. They are doing the knees because they know they can get away with it because VAR is not there. And I thought that was really, really cute. And it wasn't really picked up upon, but that's what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants. He wants people who want to win games and 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 aren't really afraid of what they need to do to win those games. Bearing in mind, we're talking about the letter of the law here. We're not talking about breaking rules and breaking people's legs. But I think we are talking about a Manchester United side that should show what it can do and, and isn't afraid to outmuscle the opponents. And that, that's what the Everton one showed me. And I think the fact he's talking about it now about the players not being so nice. You want to see the Luke Shaw's running someone into touch into the first row of the of the, uh, of the stands, albeit you know hard but fair. You want to see those things from Manchester United because the, the great Manchester United sides, the one that beat Ipswich perhaps 9-0, they were doing all those things. Roy Keane was driving that. You know, we were seeing those that intimidation. And I think that's probably the next kind of development stage of Manchester United. Definitely. Um, you touched on it there, just finally, about the sort of having that nasty side. You mentioned sort of looking back at players like Roy Keane. When me and you have had chats in the past, we've talk, spoken about leaders, leaders on the pitch for United and and whether we've got enough leaders, and you can you can argue that you know Bruno Fernandes is a, a type of leader, or maybe even Marcus for the, the things he does, not just on the pitch but off them as well. Do, do you think there are leaders there at United? Or we've been linked with a couple of players. We've been linked with Sergio Ramos again. I don't know how realistic that one is. Or even De Open Meccano. I know he's a lot younger, but someone who can lead at the back. Do you think we have those leaders in the squad, or do you think those might be signings that we have to bring in to help that? Yeah, I, I think there, there are leaders emerging. And I, and I think, you know, I talked about the kind of English language thing with Cavani. I think once he learns the, the tools of English language, I think he could predominantly be a leader, certainly in that kind of uh, last third of the pitch. I, I, I think I, I've talked about it before about kind of um, Harry Maguire being a round peg in a, in a square hole in terms of being a leader. I think, you know, he can do it. I don't think it's his strength. Um, and I think what we've seen is Bruno emerge perhaps as a different leader. I got I got the sense kind of, at the start of this season, the tail end of last season, is that people were getting not sick of what he was doing, but he was demanding more than they, the players could probably deliver simply because they were perhaps on their knees, bearing in mind the, the amount of games they've played. I think he's tempered that a little bit. I think the players understand now that his demands come from the right place because he wants Manchester United to win things and he wants to win things 
with Manchester United. And I think it was, if it was down to me, I'd, I'd give him the armband right now and say, look, Bruno, you are the captain, you are the leader, get on with it. I don't think that'll happen because I don't think you, you probably run the risk of taking the armband away from Harry Maguire and you know the, the loss of face, if you like. And uh, whether he wants that or not, if you're captain of Manchester United, it's a proud thing to be. So I, I think those leaders are emerging. I, I think there's still development work that needs to be done. But I think you know the, there are little improvement. You know, last night, you look at Fred, you know, no one would have said that Fred was going to be a Manchester United first team player. He's become that. He's become the go-to person in, in the midfield for um, in front of the defence for those big games. Likewise, Scott McTominay, you know, uh, people kind of lamenting the fact against Arsenal that he had a, a, a bad tummy. He comes in last night and, and puts his stamp and mark on that game. And that finish was absolutely extraordinary from a, from a guy that doesn't score many goals, but when he does, scores beauties uh, for Manchester United. And I think across the team, you know, compared to what it was last season, there are massive, massive developmental progress there. You, you know, all the way from the back, all the way to the forwards. Uh, you know, David De Gea, again, playing some of his best football because he's under challenge from, from Henderson. Uh, Wan-Bissaka and Shaw, their best football. I, I still think the key area is, is who you're going to play with Harry Maguire because I, I don't see Victor Lindelof being the long-term solution. Uh, Eric Bailly surprised me in the sense of the quality of some of his performances this season. But again, you know, slightly fragile injury-wise. Uh, Axel Twenzebi, I don't know if it's going to happen for him or not. I think, you know, most Manchester United fans would like to see it happen for him because of the pedigree of the player, the fact that he won the Jimmy Murphy Award and has come through the system and done really, really well. But it might be too much of a bigger ask to get him to play that. And I think it's more than likely that United will sign someone who will become the first choice centre-back partner uh, to Harry Maguire. And then, you know, you look at the guys up front, they're not scoring as many goals as they were last season in terms of Martial and Rashford. Uh, but I think they're embracing that kind of team spirit. You know, likewise, Mason Greenwood, you know, a lot of quality there, not as many goals, but Manchester United are now scoring all over the pitch. That was the most wonderful thing from last night. Nine goals, eight different goal scorers. And as I say, I'm not the biggest fan of Martial, but the way he took his goals probably bodes well for the rest of the season in terms of what he'll come up with as a tally. And just throw Cavani into that. Uh, and Pogba not even playing last night. There were an awful lot of positives. So I don't, I don't see this being a squad or a side that will win the title. I hope they prove me wrong, but I do see it as a side that will challenge for the title and perhaps challenge more seriously next season with a couple more components from the summer. Might have to wait till next season now, Ronaldo. Uh, not too nah, bad, man. It's 21. It's meant to be. It's, meant to be. It's, it's not a bad way, though, is it? You know, no, listen, this time I didn't think year, when... you'd, you'd have probably taken, oh, can we win it in five years' time? I'm saying it might, might be a year's time or, or sort of 15 months. Yeah, true, true. 100%. You know, when we spoke in the summer, I don't think we were saying, we oh, we next time we speak that. around January, yeah, we'll be, to- you know, challenging at the top of the table. So, it's, you know, he deserves an awful lot of credit. And I think, you know, and I think United are more relaxed, partly because I think Ollie's more relaxed. I think he's kind of more comfortable with being Manchester United manager, partly perhaps because things are going well, but I think he's comfortable in his own skin. And I think he's got himself mentally around the fact that he is manager of the football club uh, that he dreamed to be manager of. And I think now, it's part and parcel of his day-to-day life. And I think that's why we're seeing improvements in the side. And I think I think the coaching guys are developing as well. And I think throwing kind of Darren Fletcher into the mix has been an important thing as well. Yeah, definitely. It's great to see Fletcher involved with the first team as a coach. And at the moment, it certainly seems Thanks to be season, having a, a positive effect. James, <laughs> it's been great chatting to you. I uh, really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, following you and your interviews with Ollie in the press conferences and hopefully... We'll keep this little bit of momentum we've got going towards the end of the season. 
No, I'd love you to see you guys. Uh, Jay, have a, have a good rest of the season. I'm sure we'll speak before then. Ronaldo, love to see you and uh, and thanks. It's been it's been fun as well. So there you have it. Thanks to James Cooper from Sky Sports for coming on the channel. Good stuff, that wasn't it? Good chat. Good Absolutely chat brilliant. I love that guy. I do. Good Don't know about you, but I love that guy. I love that guy, man. Uh, so, <laughs> like, like, like what he said as well about Diallo, he's buying into it as well, isn't he? Exciting, and we could see a debut this month. Yeah, he, he seems hey. to seem to be quite confident that we will see Diallo sooner rather than later, and he thinks he's going to be very special for us. What do you reckon? Really, I think he looks like he does have that it factor. Got it. He has something a little bit different about him. I don't want to be too like extreme. Right. Okay. But he looked very Messi-esque. That's not extreme in the slightest. <laughs> You've heard it here from Ronaldo. So, knows his stuff. Yeah, We've got the next Lionel Messi. Ballon d'Or this season or next season? He doesn't matter when, but he's going to end up with seven. He's going to end up seven Ballon d'Ors yeah. and he's the next Lionel Messi. So, Ronaldo's playing his cards close to his chest. Um, <laughs> but, as always, mate, you, you, I don't need to tell you where to check out James Cooper. You know where you'll find him. You know where to find him as well. He's all over socials. What is it? Ronaldo underscore Brown 93. 93, and I was born quite a little bit after that, actually. Right. It's Ronaldo Brown it? underscore 98. 98, sorry. Catch me on there for I, all the I most I think amazing. I got you mixed up with Joe Smith with his Tweets in the world, Yeah, go and check him out. He's always on our socials. To be fair, me and Joe do look alike. You do? It's yeah, that hair. Yeah. The hair and the beard. Yeah, exactly. Can't tell you apart. I'm always getting you mixed up. Um, so go and check him out. If you're not subscribing, make sure you are subscribing to the channel. We've got loads of good content coming up. We'll have more Tier 1 podcasts where we bring in the top journalists and have a chat with us. We'll also have all the match day content, the watch-alongs, the previews, the fan cams, all that good stuff as well. Check out the member section where we've got even extra content and some giveaways as well. That's been Ronaldo. I've been Jay. This has been the Tier 1 Transfer Podcast. Thanks for watching. Sports Social Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.